uh, Dave said, born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Anybody ever been to Minneapolis? All right, there's a few people. All right, yes. Uh, it is God's country up there. I, I believe that it is. And uh, it is great to be with you. Welcome to all of you watching online. Uh, we are, like Dave said, a portable church. And because we meet in schools, our schools have not yet opened to us. So we've only been talking to a camera for like the last nine months. And so I can't tell you how great it is to talk with human beings in the room. I mean, this is just phenomenal. Uh, my wife and I started a church nine years ago in the suburbs of Minneapolis. And I just want to introduce my family to you real quick. This is picture up on the screen. And uh, this is my wife, Tara, and we have been married for 16 years. Don't know how she has put up with me that long. And then we have four kids, uh, my two oldest boys, Landon and Cooper. They're 14 and 13. And yes, we did that on purpose. Hard to believe. And we call them our two-headed monster, uh, but they are really close in age together. And then our daughter, Addison, uh, she has been our saving grace. That is her middle name, Grace. And then we thought we were done and God had other plans. And so our little guy, his name is Paxton. He is our final fourth. And so that is it. And that is my family. Now, don't let this photo fool you. We are really not that happy, okay? Uh, and uh, because we have been together in quarantine for like nine months. And so we're just not as happy to be all together all the time. Maybe you can relate. I don't know. Well, Dave asked me to speak this morning and told me that you're going through this series called Faith over fear, which I think applies to all of us. And as I was thinking about uh, some of my fears, one of my biggest fears is the fear of heights. Does anybody else have a fear of heights? Anyone else? And I don't really like to call it a fear of heights. I more like to call it a fear of falling to my death, right? That is, that is a more accurate representation. And I'll never forget about 15 years ago, we had taken our youth group to Six Flags, and they have this giant ride there called the Slingshot. I don't know if you've ever heard of this ride before. Uh, the Slingshot is the basket with the bungee cords, and you sit in it, and it shoots you out into outer space. So I was there with my youth associate, and he said, Ryan, he said, we've got this series on fear coming up. How great, he knew I was afraid of heights. How great would it be if you and I went on this ride together and, and then we bought the video of it afterwards and then we could show the youth group that you have overcome your fear. And I said, that's the worst idea you've ever had. I think could quite possibly be the worst idea. And so literally for 10 minutes, we sat there arguing about this. And I finally gave in and said, fine, I will go ahead and I will go on this ride. And so as I'm walking towards the ride, you know, I am flush. I'm turning pale. My hands are sweating. It is not a good situation. And I get into this bucket and I get all strapped in and I am making sure every seatbelt three, four times over is set. And those wires begin to go up, you know, and I'm sitting in this death contraption, you know, saying my prayers, Jesus, I'm coming home to see you. I mean, that's really what I thought. And then they start the countdown from 10, 9, 8. And then they try to be kind of funny and they launch you like at three. So you're not expecting it. And out into the sky we go. And I have never screamed that loud in my entire life. And uh, I endured it. We got to the ground. As I walked off of that thing, my legs were shaky. I mean, I, I just thought, what have I done? And we walk over to the booth to buy the video for it, and we asked her for it, and she said, oh, I am so sorry. We had a video malfunction on that ride. And now, if you'd like to go again, we could film it one more time. I said, absolutely not. I am out of here. I'm never doing this again. And so unfortunately, I don't even have proof to show you that I really, really did go on that ride, and it's really disappointing. Well, I think all of us have natural fears like that. 
but what about the deeper fears that we know have the ability to get in the driver's seat of our life? Whether it's relational, financial, physical, something with your job, something with your family. I mean, what does that fear really mean for us? Well, Connect through this series has defined fear this way. They said fear is an emotion caused by the belief of potential future loss. I think we can all identify with this, right? Fear is an emotion. We've all felt that. We've all experienced caused by the belief that there is going to be a potential future loss on the horizon. And we can all probably point to times where fear has risen up in us. And so I want to talk this morning how we can know that God is with us in those times of crisis or great fearful moments of our life. A year and a half ago, my wife was having some issues with her shoulder. And so it was determined that they needed to take an x-ray. And so she went in to take an x-ray of her upper torso. And when they got those back, they, they found a spot on my wife's lungs that they were concerned about. And so it totally took us off guard. And so we went in and it was, it was a test to rule out cancer and she failed that test. And she went for test number two and that failed that test. And then she had to be scheduled for a biopsy. It got to that point where they had to go in and take a piece of these cells out to determine whether or not it was cancerous. And this whole process lasted about a month to six weeks. And I gotta tell you, it was a fearful time. Uh, it was a moment where it hit us unexpectedly. It was something that we weren't prepared for. And suddenly I was beginning asking questions that I've really never had to ask before. All the what ifs that you tend to go through in your mind when you're facing fear on the horizon, right? The belief of future loss. What if this ends up being cancer? What will that mean for us and for our family? And so she had the biopsy done, and thank God those tests came back negative. Uh, she had no cancer. Um, but I think that every single one of us can point to probably moments in our life uh, where fear took us by surprise, right? Moments of crisis that induced great fear in us. And our human instinct is to believe that the worst possible outcome is about to happen. Isn't that true? We just go to the worst possible scenario. And we assume that the emotion of fear has to rule us until we find out the outcome. But as followers of Jesus, I want to challenge us today with this thought, that fear doesn't have to rule us. Instead, it's our faith in Jesus that can calm us as he abides with us. Let me say that again. Fear doesn't have to rule us. Instead, it's our faith in Jesus that can calm us as he abides with us. And we discover a moment like this in Mark chapter 4, where the disciples were faced with a crisis. In fact, their life was on the line. And so let me set this up. Jesus and his disciples had spent the entire day with large crowds of people teaching them and being with them. And at the end of this long day, they were all exhausted and they were ready to get away from the crowds. And this is where we pick it up in Mark chapter four. And it reads this way. It says, as evening fell, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took him just as he was and started out, leaving the crowds behind. But soon a terrible storm arose 
High waves began to break into the boat, and it was nearly full of water and about to, what's that word? Sink. It was about to sink. I mean, imagine the storm rising up. How many of you have ever been on a bad boat ride? Anyone ever been on a bad boat ride? <laughs> it's not a fun experience, is it? Uh, we had a little speedboat growing up, and my dad was a pastor, and so we didn't have much money, so we had a pretty crappy boat. Um, and so we had what we called like the coin flip boat, where you just flip a coin whether or not the engine would ever start, and it was like a 50-50 chance. And half the time we'd prepare, get out on the lake, nothing would start, we'd have to go back home. I mean, it'd just be awful. And then you gotta get it fixed and all this stuff. Well, one day... It actually started, and we got out to the middle of the lake, and we were sitting out there when all of a sudden the engine caught on fire. Whoosh! Flames leaping out of the back of the engine. My mom is screaming. We're all like elementary school age kids sitting in there. Our eyes are like this. We don't know what to do. And my dad's first instinct is just to start grabbing us one at a time and chucking us overboard. That's what he did. Grab the next one, grab the next one. And there was four of us and he chucked us all overboard into the water. We had our life jackets on. And then my dad jumps in and he's trying to splash water up on the engine. I mean, that, that one story right there kind of encapsulates the history of our boat ownership right there, right? It was not very fun. But could you imagine being on a first century made boat when the worst storm of your life that you've ever seen happens and water is now inside the boat and you are getting ready to sink? Could you imagine that? Well, a year and a half ago, I was in Israel and I got to go to a museum where they had a first century boat that I took a picture of, and I'm going to show it you here. They actually pulled this out of the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. This was made 2,000 years ago, if you can imagine. So how would you like to be on a storm in one of those? Not too great. Not too great. And so here they are. The disciples are there. And remember, if you've forgotten already, that Jesus is in the boat with them. And so you might be asking, well, where in the world was Jesus during this horrific storm that was taking place? Great question. Verse 38 tells us, Jesus was asleep at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. <laughs> now, I'm not sure if Jesus was just a hard sleeper. I'm not sure if he was pretending to be sleeping so that he could teach the disciples a lesson. I'm not sure, but he apparently is out and uh, not aware of the storm going on. And verse 38 continues. It says, frantically, the disciples awakened him, shouting, Teacher, don't you even care that we are all about to drown? I mean, imagine as they're waking him up. First of all, I would be thinking, how in the world is he sleeping through this? That seems kind of impossible. And then when they finally get him awake, they say, Teacher, don't you even care that we are about to drown? And as I read this verse, my eye catches on this phrase because I have felt what the disciples were feeling when they said, don't you even care? Have you ever said those words to God? When you were facing a crisis? Have you ever thought it when you were facing what you never wanted to face? God, don't you even care? I mean, don't you even care, God, that I might be losing my job? Don't you even care that my parents are going through a divorce? 
Don't you even care that our bank account is at zero and bills are due? Or that I have this disease or health condition? God, don't you even care that my child is ruining their life or far from you? God, don't you care that I feel hurt and broken? Don't you care that my family has abandoned me or that my loved one is dying? Don't you even care that I'm all alone? Have you ever felt this emotion? Because the disciples sure did. They thought that Jesus could care less while he's asleep in the back of the boat while their life is on the line and they feel like they're about to drown and die. But here's the truth that Jesus wanted to communicate to his disciples and I believe would want to communicate to us today. And it's this truth, that Jesus is always with us even when it seems like he isn't. Jesus is always with us even when it seems like he isn't. He is always with us. In fact, Jesus said to his followers after his resurrection, when he was about to ascend into heaven, he said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. And that was a promise that was good for them then and is a promise that's good for us now. And so the disciples wake Jesus up and what does he do? Well, it continues in verse 39. It says, Then Jesus rebuked the wind and the sea and said to the sea, Quiet down. And the wind fell, and there was a great calm. I mean, could you even imagine being there in this incredible storm? And Jesus just gets up and says, Quiet. And everything just goes, Like it was nothing to him. Like the storm was a bother that he just kind of shooed away. How amazing. You see, this storm, which was out of the disciples' control, was completely in Jesus' control. And in the exact same way, the things in our life that seem out of our control are firmly in his. Firmly in his control. And then after Jesus quiets the wind and the seas, he asked them this all-important question that I think if Jesus was here today would ask to you and I anytime we faced a crisis or felt fear overtaking us. Jesus turns to the disciples and asks them, why were you so fearful? Don't you even yet have confidence in me? I mean, Jesus turns the question right around back at them. They asked him, don't you even care that we are about to drown and die? And Jesus says, don't you even yet have confidence in me? I mean, come on, guys. After all that we've been through together, after all that you have seen and experienced, don't you have enough faith to overcome your fear? Don't you have enough faith to know that I am with you? 
great question. And it kind of goes to what Whitney shared last week when she said, when you look back at God's faithfulness, it gives you faith for the future. To realize that he has been with you. He has shown up when you needed him. And Jesus is saying, don't you even yet have confidence in me. And verse 41 says, and they were filled with awe and said among themselves, who is this man that even the winds and seas obey him? They were just blown away. And God was with them in the boat just like he is with us. When we're facing the waves of fear that are crashing over our lives, to remember that he's with us, he's just a prayer away, a worship song away, a scripture verse away, a church service away, coffee with a faith-filled friend. I'm telling you what, intentionally walk into those spaces when you're feeling fear overwhelm you. Do it because these moments, my next point, these moments of connection with God help us choose faith over fear. It helps us choose faith over fear. And maybe right now you feel overwhelmed by fear. Maybe there's something that you can't see on the other side and there is a belief of potential future loss that's keeping you up at night. Maybe you are holding on by a thread and just wondering when it will break and your loss will become quite real. And if that's you, I want to share this passage of Scripture that has been so encouraging to me in Psalm 23, verse 1 through 4. It says, Because the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. He lets me rest in the meadow grass and leads me besides quiet streams. He gives me new strength. He helps me do what honors him the most. Even when walking through the dark valley of death, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me, guarding, guiding all the way. What a picture of our heavenly Father. A loving Father that leads us to place of rest and quiet when fear is raging. A Father who gives strength, new strength, while walking with us, guiding us, guarding us. And sometimes, come on, let's be honest, it is easy to lose sight of this. Fear has a way of pushing this truth out of our mind and heart. The emotion that we feel in fear, and when that emotion rises up, we've got to remind ourselves of who we are and our Heavenly Father is. A Father that sent His only Son so that we could know, so that we could know that he is with us. In just a few weeks, will be December and we'll be all in on Christmas. And I don't know about you, but give it all to me. Give me all the music, give me all the decorations, give me all the fattening foods, right? I gotta like lose five pounds so I can gain 10 in December. You know what I mean? That's just kind of how it is. I, I, I just love it all. Give it all to me. But it's funny that only around Christmas time do we tend to hear this name, Emmanuel. O come, O come, Emmanuel. And this word Emmanuel simply means God with us. God with us. 
that when your heavenly father sent his only son to this earth, it was the most tangible way that he could remind you that he is with you. No matter what season of life that you are walking in, he is still Emmanuel, God with us. That even while the storm rages, he is still sitting in the boat with us, waiting for a moment, an opportunity for him to tell your storm, be still. Be still. So let me ask you, if you had this confidence to know that he was with you, what would you do differently? How would you approach your fear? In other words, let me ask it this way. How would you respond to that, whatever it is in the blank, you put it in, if you knew that God was with you? How would you respond to that relationship struggle if you knew that God was with you? That before you even showed up to meet that family member, before you picked up the phone, that you knew that God was with you, how would you respond? How would you respond to that important meeting at work if you knew that he was with you? How would you respond to that challenge with your child or that dream that you've had to start that business or nonprofit or to take that volunteer role at the school? to go for student government or go out for that sports team or to be a youth leader to go for that degree or to reach out to that family member. I mean, come on, how would you respond if you knew he was with you? Or maybe something on the other side more serious, how would you respond to that health crisis if you knew that he was with you? How would you respond to the threat of divorce? if you knew he was with you? How would you respond to that financial pressure that has been such a weight on you if you knew that your heavenly father was with you? How would you approach that storm, whatever storm is raging? You see, we have to remind ourselves almost on a daily basis of this, that I build up my faith to remind me of the God I serve the Father that loves me and says to my storm, be still. Be still. And if you're here this morning and you feel like waves of fear have been overtaking you and drowning you, I want to leave you with this most encouraging verse as we get ready to close. Isaiah 41.10. Here was God's command. Fear not, for I am, what does that say? with you. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. What an incredible promise. And when I read that, it allows my faith to rise up over my fear. And so here's what I want you to do as we get ready to close. The next time fear rises up unexpectedly, the next time, this week, next week, the week after, the next time fear rises up unexpectedly, invite God into the situation and remind yourself that he abides with you. That he is Emmanuel, God with us. Commit it to prayer. Get in one of those avenues to invite him in 
and let him be a part of that journey so that you can release that fear and so that faith can rise up. Would you mind closing your eyes as we pray together? And whether you're at home or whether you're here in the auditorium, I just want you to close your eyes for a moment and maybe over the next 30 seconds that you would offer that fear to God, whatever your storm is that right now, that you would say, God, I acknowledge that you are with me in this storm and I give it to you. Take my fear. Come on, just tell him. God, take my fear and fill me with faith. God, fill me with the confidence that you're with me. So Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your Son to remind us that we are never alone. That while situations in life and the fear of potential future loss tends to overwhelm us at times, may we be reminded by your Spirit that you are with us and that you're able to say to our storm, be still, that there is nothing you don't see, there is nothing that is not under your control. And so God, I pray this next week as fear rises up that you would remind us again to invite you into the storm so that our faith can overcome our fear. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, thanks so much for being here today. I hope that you'll be back next Sunday as Connect continues this series, Faith Over Fear. Have a great week, everybody.